0: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
1: Hello, just dropping in a quick voice note, which is why it's not going to be the same as the studio quality, to say that we had our live show and while I was going to hold off on these episodes and do them, like release them as they were recorded, I realised that Luke's one is timely and needs to be released sooner rather than later. Um, So it was recorded during the basically live show, which was on the 23rd of March at Smock Alley Theatre and it was amazing. I cannot wait for you to hear the episodes, but also to those of you who came, thank you so much. We had such a great night. Uh, In this episode I spoke to Luke O'Neill and um, yeah he he's cheery as ever about things that are not so cheery. I hope you enjoy. So Luke you can come up here now and educate us all about everything. So we have Professor Luke O'Neill. Ever heard of him? Uh, And he's here. I thought when I when we booked this, I was like, ah, look, we'll get Luke and he'll have his guitar and we'll just see yeah. like the personal side of Luke because he'll be irrelevant because COVID will be over. <laughs> and now we're like someone here definitely probably has it and we'll all probably have it. And I've had at least 15 messages on Instagram from people who bought tickets and like were dropping like flies in the last few days. Some of whom are like very big fans of the show and devastated. Others who are probably just trying to be nice and are delighted that they didn't have to come. Um What's going on, Luke? Why is well, it? Why is it still yes. here? Like,
2: it's back in the headlines, amazing, You and look He looks fucking phone. delighted about it. Look at no, you, like, no, 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 no you're hey delighted. Me. Yeah, I got accused of that, you know. Like, is it me fomenting the stories about it? But uh, I was as sick of it as everybody else, to be honest, you know. And the past three weeks, I didn't watch it very much. Strangely, you know. Uh, but then the last week... it's and then it crept up on right, us. Well, it crept up on us again, hasn't it? Yeah, so it's a bit... Uh, I wouldn't worry too much, to have to say. It's a surge, you know. And what's great is the... But vaccine. it's a huge surge. It is, but the vaccines are working. It's remarkable. I mean, if, if we hadn't have the vaccines, the ICU would be full of people, without doubt. You know, so the vaccines yeah. are doing their job. It's like a common cold flu situation and all we're doing now is obsessively watching it all the time you see. Now there are worries, I'm not saying it's completely fantastic either by the way, but, uh, but by and large the wall is holding which is great, you know, and there will be more surges remember, um, we're going through them at the moment but the vaccine wall is holding. It's but like more-
1: what's happening in Hong Kong? They've run out of coffins in Hong Kong well, which is the, so terrifying.
2: Well as a scientist you have to use evidence you see. So, so that's the evidence the vaccines are working because The
1: vaccine isn't.
2: It isn't, well, it, well it, in places other than Hong Kong. Hong Kong used a sign Vaccine, which is half as effective as Pfizer. That's the first thing, right? Secondly, they had, they, had, they had a zero COVID policy, which seemed like a good idea, but the truth is there was no natural infection either. They open up, BA2 arrives, and deaths, you see, a lot of deaths. So the control because there is South, South Korea, you see, because South Korea is quite close to Hong Kong. They had, ma- they, they had the other vaccines, they didn't have um, zero COVID, and they've almost no deaths, and yet the same rate of cases, you know. So that, that really tells us the vaccines as more evidence, if you like, the vaccines were.
1: But what is, so let's talk about BA2, which is the variant of Omicron. Yeah. And then let's talk about Deltacron, which sounds like a transformer. It does. It's actually a (laughs) virus.
2: (laughs) These names are very challenging, aren't they? That's awful.
1: It's just that they sound so terrifying. But the
2: Omicron sounded like a James Bond villain co- corporation, didn't it? About to attack us all. But del- I wasn't
1: really scared of Delta or Omicron because yeah. I know that it's a letter of the Greek alphabet. That's right. Deltacron sounds like it's being just created yeah. to scare people.
2: So that was spotted about a month ago. And it's a hybrid between Delta and Omicron, right? And what's happened is a bit of Delta and a bit of Omicron have now had a child. They've had a child, if you like, and they get a mix of the two. And it's a slight concern because it seems to have some of the worst parts of both, right? It looks like maybe. Because
1: Delta was pretty serious, wasn't Delta it?
2: Delta was serious enough, yeah, yeah. Delta causes more severe disease than Omicron, for example. And then we've got a hybrid. Now, it's still very early there's about 100 cases so far you've seen it may be okay but it's being watched very closely as well any variant that arrives
1: What are the pieces of Delta and what are those two overlapping pieces? Yeah we know (laughs) what
2: the pieces are but we don't know what it means if you know what it means in other words like for example the bit from Delta that's really dangerous hasn't gone into it necessarily but the trouble is it's new it's a brand it's a a new variant and and until we see it in humans we won't know you know its properties
1: So the one that's now most prevalent in Ireland is not Deltacron it's BA2 2, yeah. Omicron the second. That's right,
2: yes. Like why, a have they,
1: why have they called it Omicron the second and not gone to the next letter, yeah, which will be big pi? Yeah, debate
2: about that. Yeah, they were going to call it pi. That's the next letter, you know. And then now nah, we'll call it P-A2 for some reason. Pi shouldn't really be pi. You know, remember pi, Steph?
1: I do. Three do you know, how four many four
2: digits do you know pi 2? Yeah,
1: you... 3.1417, like maybe 5.
2: Oh, that's ridiculous. It's awful. I <laughs> don't. you should know more. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, it's going to be called pi. Um... Sorry. I think no more. Um, but they've stuck with BA2. I mean, I could
1: probably, I think I probably know. You can look more. it up.
2: <laughs> um, BA2 is really interesting. Now, now, you might say, oh, here comes a scientist, and he's going to say, look, this is a fascination, and yet it's quite dangerous. But as a scientist, BA2 is fascinating. Why? It's 30% more transmissible than Omicron, which is already 70% more than Delta. So this is a really infectious virus. Which was already virus, already a lot more than, than previous alpha. ones. Yeah, this this could be the most contagious virus ever. There's a claim, right? Now the one the ones we have at the moment, chickenpox is very contagious. If, if a kid has chickenpox in a room, they all get chickenpox. You know, measles. If one kid has it, 10 get it, you know, that kind of thing. So they're, they're the most infectious virus. the R number. The R number, exactly. Yeah, they're the most, but this one is very high R number, we think. So it's going to be on, on the same because range. Because health,
1: health experts, I don't know which one, but someone was saying everyone is going to get this one. Like yeah. you just, if you haven't had it, you're going to get it and you just need to make peace with that. Yeah. But that's not very peacemaking because... Some people are having very severe disease yeah. and also getting long COVID.
2: That's right. Yeah. I mean, the thing about this one is the the phrase I saw yesterday was it'll sweep up everybody who hasn't had Omicron because if you've had Omicron, that will give you some protection against. VH2, and yes, you, you have see? people
1: texting me and this is anecdotal again, but people text messaging me saying, had it before midterm break, yeah. have it again today.
2: Yes. People are getting reinfected, which is interesting as well. Now, why is that you say you interesting? Wonder.
1: It's not interesting. It's infuriating. Well, <laughs> Because they say like, oh, once you've had it, it's three yeah. months, but yeah. it's not. It's
2: two weeks. I guess we say scientifically interesting. Why would that happen, you see? So that's why it's interesting. Why, why, why would people get reinfected? The fact of the matter is these are coronaviruses. They're inclined to reinfect people anyway. You will catch a cold. You might catch the same virus again next winter and the same, you know, infection happens. Coronavirus is reinfect. That's the first thing. So it's not that surprising. What's very important is, though, what reinfection means in your nose. That's all, right? The immune system doesn't really get to your nose is the truth of the matter anyway because all the cells can't get up there and the antibodies your lungs are protected so you might have sniffles you might have a sore throat it's not going to kill you a common Mm -hmm. cold. so that's what's happening here basically it is getting into people's noses and they have a few symptoms but it's not progressing into into severe disease because of vaccination mainly is protecting the lungs that's the way to think of it so i wouldn't worry too much but you're right though the other concern we have is it's still a new virus, remember. It's only been around for two years. We don't really know a lot of, enough about it, in a sense. And this long COVID thing is there. You know How serious is it? How common is it? All these studies are coming out suggesting in a subset of people, it's very severe. So it's not just about people dying, which is horrendous, obviously, enough. It's also about persistent symptoms that might go on for six, 12, 18 months. They reckon the 1918 pandemic, right, the the previous massive pandemic. Spanish flu. 15 years later, there was heart disease, which could track back to that, you know? So in 1918, people got that, that was influenza. Their hearts were damaged. They didn't know it until they aged, you know, and then the heart damage revealed itself. So this is in the back of our minds. What will be the long-term consequences of infection in a sense?
1: You know the way we were always following Israel because they were ahead of us. Is there any, who are we looking at now to see We've all had boosters yeah. or some people got COVID, let's say at Christmas and now they're able to get a booster. Are our boosters still working? Are we Pfizer have applied for a fourth shot? They have.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so does that yeah. mean we
1: all have to get vaccinated again or no, what's the, going on the there? The plan
2: now is everybody gets your third shot, first of all, when offered it because it's a three-shot vaccine. And we've discovered that. That was, that was discovered through observation. We didn't know that at the start. You know. This needs three shots is the first thing. So get your third shot. If you don't get your third shot, the first two are irrelevant in a way. You know? And secondly, then, for vulnerable people and ones whose immune systems are slightly inactive, they need a fourth shot. They need four kicks to get the immune system going. It's a bit like that, you see. So the fourth shot is now being given to people on immunosuppressants. Uh, Older people, I would say over 60s, should get the fourth shot. And that will give you a really strong protection. We hope. Now, we'll watch that next. We can't be getting vaccines every three to six months. That's not going to work, is it, either, by the way. But you'd be optimistic the fourth shot should give a big response in those vulnerable people, is, is the way to think of
1: it. So the general population aren't going to have to get a fourth shot? No,
2: no. But in winter, you know, like the flu vaccine you get this coronavirus vaccine if you're in that category. That, that's the likely vista ahead of us. The other thing to say, by the way, is, and this is another example of um, the frenzy of science you can imagine around this, and you, you and I would have discussed how things were progressing all the time. There's 137 vaccines being tested at the moment. Isn't that amazing?
1: It seems excessive when we well, have I think it's a bit of overkill. that work a lot very it's, well. It's,
2: it's, it's such an important thing, I suppose, you know. Now, what are those next gen vaccines, right? Uh, there'll be a pan-coronavirus vaccine that works against any variant. That's the first thing. They're coming.
1: Will that be mRNA or one of those dead virus ones?
2: It'll be a dead virus one. Exactly. Yeah, a company called Valneva have a dead virus one. And that's great, I must say. Now that, What's that'll... the
1: technical term for dead virus one?
2: Inactivated okay. virus, whole virus. it'll do that. Yeah. Or attenuated, they use that word. Um, that's coming. That, that's got approved in, in Bahrain as the first place to approve the Valneva vaccine. So that, That'll be approved, I guess, in Europe eventually. That may replace the other vaccines, you see. That's the whole virus, remember. The, the other vaccines we have are just a spike, that bit.
1: So is there a benefit in, say, Valneva comes to Ireland being like, look, I'll just get that one even though I've had all my Pfizer's because then I'll be done for all the variants? We
2: hope not. We hope, we hope the three shots will give durable protection, remember. And secondly, if you get infected having had the vaccine, that's like a fourth shot anyway that you give you. And there's evidence for that now. That'll give great protection. So it's not the worst thing in the world to get a, a low-dose infection if you don't get long COVID. That's the concern, but that's unlikely You know, in that situation. So that's good. Uh, the other vaccines that are in development are intranasal. If you squirt the vaccine up your nose, now the immune system gets into your nose and stops you getting infected, right? And here's a prediction, which may or may not come true. They will take over because now you're stopping infection as well as protecting the lungs. And guess which vaccine is number one? That's intra-nasal AstraZeneca, which we've all forgotten about.
1: That's because it was shit. It wasn't
2: shit. I, I, I feel so sorry. I know those Oxford scientists. I know. Well. I read
1: that book. It was really good. Those two amazing female yeah, scientists. Yeah, Sarah
2: Gilbert. Yeah. And, and um, what's incredible, that, that vaccine was made in a university, not by a drug company. They made no profit from it. It was given away for free, right? And Adrian Hill, who, who led that vaccine institute, he's, he's from Dublin, actually, I've known him for years. I did stuff on, on malaria with him. He's a very famous vaccinologist. He was interviewed, and he said, look at this he said, him. Um, we made this vaccine in the university not-for-profit. They've probably saved 20 million lives with that vaccine. Can you imagine that if you're a scientist and you make that achievement. You know? And he said, compare that to Pfizer and, um, and Moderna. That's created nine billionaires you see, because they're private companies and they sold their shares. Now there's a contract. Now, those vaccines are good now. I'm not knocking the to... let but talk about a contrast between two different... I approaches. do think
1: that AstraZeneca was tired with the Brexit brush. That it just became so like Europe was just like, we're just going to throw a bit of shade
2: on you because yeah. you did Brexit. That was part of it. Politics um, sadly came into a very... If all we had was AstraZeneca, we'd be laughing our heads off. It was 70, 80 percent effective, remember. Now, it wasn't 95. That's the, it was slightly less effective, you see. And then the clotting issue came up, do you remember? And that wasn't a big deal in the end, very rare. And then the politics came in. It was ridiculous what happened in the end. So you feel a bit sorry for the Oxford group, and I feel sorry for them anyway.
1: But they might make a comeback with this nasal Yeah,
2: one. They're going to come back with the nasal and, and that could take over again and be, you know, the way to go.
1: I have a question about your opinion and then I will get to questions from the audience. Um, So think about your questions now. I also have one from someone who has COVID and couldn't come. I'll ask her one first. But first of all, I want to ask you, um, do you think there will be uh, restrictions brought back in? And how do you feel about masks?
2: very unlikely there'll be restrictions because they're far too harmful. Remember, you're trying to weigh up how harmful restrictions are for all kinds of reasons, not least mental health or, you know, delayed things in hospitals and all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So no, there can't be more restrictions. You might see a mask mandate coming in, for instance. You might see curfews at the worst. Panty will hear me saying that, but that, 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 that's the worst case scenario, you know, but I can't see it because we have the vaccines, you see. And secondly, we have the antivirals. Never forget. The other weapon, I mean, what's amazing about this to me as a scientist, I'm going to blow science's trumpet Ready? So science stepped up and delivered this stuff, right? It delivered the vaccines. And antivirals. Now, antivirals are tablets you'd take that kill the virus. There's five of them now. You know, Paxlovid is the famous one, you see. And both work really well. Now, Paxlovid will get used more widely now, you see. You'll see more and more in hospitals, for instance. You might be given Paxlovid as soon as you're admitted to hospital. And it kills the virus. This is a very powerful weapon against the virus. But so would it not be a
1: case that, like, you go to your doctor... And you get like your doctor is like I'm COVID positive, and they're like here, take this antiviral.
2: Absolutely, yes, that's exactly what will happen. I predict. Now remember, with hepatitis C is a famous one, which afflicted many women in Ireland, by the way, to the anti-D problem. Remember they all got infected. There was never a vaccine for that. It's it's completely curable with an antiviral, right? Hep C. HIV all we have is antivirals we would love vaccines for those and that, that's a COVID dividend by the way we, there's trials running now with RNA vaccines for HIV and Hep C but remember all we have is an antiviral and that manages those diseases with COVID we've got the, we've got the Air Force and the Land Army if I can use a military analogy uh, against this virus so, so in other words those are the reasons why we can never go backwards.
1: Well this is the thing I, I know that people now understand with the antivirals and with the vaccines people are not dying so much of COVID People also want to be like, when can I mm, book something and and be sure that I can actually attend it? Yeah. You know, and so this question that came from uh, from a listener who's been knocked out by COVID um. that's what I just checked on my phone. So she's a nurse and she says that they're really under pressure at the moment because people are coming in absolutely grand but they're coming in for a surgery and they swab them for COVID and it turns out then that they're COVID positive and then they have to be put in a room on their own which might be a room for six people but they have to be in there on their own and they don't swab people for influenza. These people are not overtly sick so why are they swabbing for COVID and when will it get to a place when this may be a question for Paul Reid, but when will it get to a place when the hospitals are not screening for COVID in the same way that they don't screen for flu? Because that will reduce the pressure on the system because these people are not sick, but they yeah. have to be treated
2: well, why are they doing that? Is the question. They're doing it just in case that person infects a healthcare worker, say, or a vulnerable person in the hospital. We pick up many infections in hospitals. Remember, so in fact, hospitals are dangerous places. Paradoxically, often because of so many infections. So they're being very cautious, I would say, at the moment on that one. But eventually, they'll stop doing that because we'll have antivirals, or we'll have you know, which we have already. But they'll be proven, and it'll increase confidence, if you like. And then we'll stop. We'll stop testing for COVID for, for everybody, really.
1: Thank you While I have you, I want to tell you about another show on the network. It's a new show that I think you might enjoy. It's called Late Night Nod. Um, it's, so it's a brand new podcast and it's got original music and these hilarious improvised interviews with guests from a fictional world of art and culture. There's this guy, uh, Brian McCann. He's introducing us to some of the world's like best known personalities, most creative people that you have never heard of. Um, it's really, really funny. Give it a whirl. Let me know if you like it and yeah, try it out.
2: The Late Night Nod features original music and improvised interviews with guests from a fictitious world of arts and culture. Each episode weaves a conversational thread through tales of inspiration, excess and heartache with some of the creative world's best-known personalities that you've never heard of. Join some of Ireland's most talented actors and comedians as they step into the world of The Late Night Nod.
1: So while I have you, I'm going to take the opportunity to um, take you hostage for a minute and tell you about the merchandise that we are selling. We have notebooks and pens, which are branded with the basically branding and you should buy them. You should buy them because it's a lovely notebook. Who doesn't need a notebook? If you are a Headstuff podcast member, if you buy the notebook, you get the pen for free. It supports me. It supports the podcast. It supports the producers, the people who work on the show and means that we can continue to make these podcasts and give them to you for free. If you want to become a Headstuff podcast member, if you get a lot from the podcast and you think, God, I'd like to support Stephanie and the podcast, you can become a Headstuff podcast member for five euro plus that. uh, Or you can give more if you want to. Go to headstuffpodcast.com and you can click register there. The people who are in the community, the Headstuff podcast members, are my favourite people. They support the podcast. They mean that you can listen to this podcast for free. It's five euro a month. I'm going to stop talking now, but I really appreciate your support.
0: Thank you. Hi, this is Marissa. I am a producer at Headstuff and because we weren't able to pass around a microphone due to COVID, you're going to hear my voice asking questions, which were asked by uh, different audience members at the live show. Okay. Um, Does anybody have questions for Luke? Do you want to put up the house lights a tiny bit so people can, I don't know, so I can see who's looking at. Oh, look, there you all are now.
2: They're there. They haven't gone home. (laughs) This person.
0: Hello. Will the new vaccine being developed cure the common cold?
2: It does indeed, and absolutely—that's incredible. Yeah, that's right. Because you know, for for decades, people were trying to find a cure for the common cold. And when I began training in I did my PhD in England. There was a common cold research center near where I was working. You know, and, and all these people trying to find cures for the common cold—they shut it down eventually because they couldn't find a cure for the common cold. You know, and and it was it was always seen as a mild thing. And why would you want that uh, vaccine anyway? It was well, I mean, and, we all did, and kids get it, don't they, as well? And they were, looking, they were trying to get a vaccine, to be honest, at the time. And then they, they didn't make much progress and stopped. But now, absolutely, these antivirals will work against any coronavirus, by the way, as well. So now, whether they, whether they do a vaccine trial for the common cold, I'm not sure. Now, remember, um, only one fifth of common colds are caused by coronaviruses. Four fifths are caused by what are called rhinoviruses. But that that fifth could be treatable now with these antiviral drugs, is the way to think of it. Now, whether you'll be motivated to develop a vaccine for rhinoviruses, that may come as well. You never know. They may- But they're different species of virus entirely, different families, you know, cause cause the same symptoms, but they're quite different. So you could get a vaccine for any cold-causing virus, both the coronaviruses and the rhinoviruses, could be the future. Would, would, Would companies do that is the question, I guess. No, they might, you know. Certainly the urgent need, is for very serious diseases like hepatitis C. HIV is still a huge problem, by the way. I mean, there's hundreds of millions dying of HIV. It's not, it's not, it's not in Africa, especially. You know, so we need vaccines for HIV, Hep C, and then of course malaria is the other big one, which is killing millions every year. You see, so the focus will be more on those. But then you never know. I think ultimately, I think my prediction would be an antiviral tablet, a bit like you take, you know, for a cold sore. That might be useful for the common cold.
0: Great. Anybody else? This was asked by a teacher. Are children's immune systems being damaged by not being exposed to other minor illnesses in the classroom?
2: Yeah, that's the worry for definite, because we know how the immune system it needs topping up all the time, really, you know. And you even get cross protection between different viruses and bacteria, which is an interesting thing in a sense. So let's say you have a cold, that may protect you against chickenpox like the UC, that kind of thing, you know. So we know that, that kids need to be a bit dirty, there's no question. And especially when they're young, and under the age of about ten. That's when their immune system is being educated. It's when they go to school. And if you keep kids too clean under under the age of 10, their immune systems don't get trained properly. And then they're at higher risk of infection. They're especially at risk of asthma, actually, and allergies. There's loads of studies showing that being too clean in childhood gives you a much higher risk of asthma. Because, again, your immune system hasn't learned friend from foe. It overreacts to allergens that you inhale, you know. So this is another example, actually, of, of how restrictive measures can have a downside. You know, and then so you, w- you wouldn't want to continue with that for definite. Now I wouldn't be, wouldn't be doing that anymore kind of thing because there is a, there's a potential negative there along the lines you're saying. So it's a really, really good point to make.
1: So you can tell them, Luke said. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there's good dirt and bad dirt. Though remember, you can, it's not all dirt. You be... <laughs> don't be pushing them into mud. But there's clean dirt. Well, you know, the best dirt is on a farm. And there's all these studies. There was a great study came out. I know pe- people who work on. I, I do. I work on asthma a bit myself. By the way, I've done some work on asthma over the years. Uh, the asthma experts have published fantastic papers. If a baby spends like six months on a farm, they almost zero chance of asthma. Isn't that amazing? And even if a a woman, when she's carrying the baby in her womb, if she spends time on a farm, that baby gets born in in a city and again has a lower risk of asthma. So the developing baby's been exposed to stuff on the farm. Now the big question is, what are they being exposed to? It's cow shit. There's something in cow shit and it's probably E. coli That the immune system, you know, and now what they're doing is amazing. Asthma is still a very severe disease, by the way. Like 20% of asthmatics are badly managed with steroids and stuff. They need better treatments. It's called called steroid-resistant asthma. They're now trying to find what is in the shit, basically. And could you give that to someone? I know? feel
1: like there's going to be a new RT reality show where they send asthmatics to a farm. Exactly.
2: <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and K- you and We can we can do it together. I that. have asthma, but I have no <laughs> and interest in being you, you, any... you. You can take in the shit then. <laughs> I, <can laughs> you take, you can I don't want to be
1: anywhere near a farm. I hate farms, um, <laughs> and I am on a farm when when, when we go to Noel's family home, and I and I do sometimes enjoy that, but it's a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. You <laughs> can one edit more that example
2: out. of what I'm additive. So go worms are good for you right, they notice that in Africa people often have a tapeworm, right? Because there's infections with parasitic worms, they never get asthma either. And and, and and there's advice a bit of worm infestation might protect you against asthma, yeah. But it.
1: it's weighing it up like I'd rather just bring my Ventolin around with me, you know. <laughs> anyway, who else has a question? Uh, someone up the back there,
0: why do a small number of people experience severe pain after the vaccine, and why do people get reinfected with COVID? after receiving the vaccine.
2: The second one, they're not perfect, these vaccines, because they aren't stopping infection, you know? But they are stopping death and severe disease, you see. And, and we know that now. I think something like 12 billion people have now been vaccinated. And the data is so compelling. Now, not every, there'll be a small percent of people, the vaccine won't work on them for some reason. And that could be because their immune system isn't set up right, or there could be something, slight immunodeficiency, then that won't, work, and they might get sick. So there's this tiny percent that aren't protected by vaccine. They aren't, they aren't perfect by any means, you know? But the stati- it's not a statistical thing they decrease risk of death by 95, 98%. And that's a great thing to take, isn't it? To stop your risk of dying. So, so in other words, uh, they're not perfect, but they, they, they protect against severe disease. The new ones may well be perfect. They may stop you getting infected, and which means no transmission because the virus can't grow in your nose to get to someone else and then you don't spread it and then stop you getting severely ill. So that, that's the next gen vaccines. But the ones we have are so effective. That's why we press them so hard. Your reaction, yeah. I mean, sadly, a certain percent of people react badly. Again, the number of people reacting badly isn't high enough to stop using the vaccines generally because it's always risk versus benefit. That, that's what all these clinical trials measure. Is know? there a
1: reason why someone like, so when I had my vaccine, let's say my period was all over the place for a while and this girl had extreme yeah. pain. Is there a reason why the vaccines cause different negative side effects in different people?
2: Yeah. Like, genetic- like is
1: the pain because her, everything was inflamed?
2: There's the genetic aspects of this, you see, because we're all very different. Our immune, my, my immune system is a bit different to yours, and I'll react differently to different things in that way. And I might have one consequence and to, to an infection as well now. But vaccines, remember, are bringing out the immune system. So in each of us, it could be slightly different. Now, the menstrual disturbance, that was spotted early on, you see. And that, that was that was seen in the trials, by the way. They looked closely at it to make sure it wasn't anything to worry about. It does happen with other vaccines and, and, and things get restored after, you know. And if anything, it's evidence the vaccine's working because you get a big surge of immunity and then sadly, a certain percent of women will have menstrual disturbance. But again, you're constantly weighing up risk-benefit. within any, any medicine, it's always risk versus benefit. There will be risks with every medical treatment, every, even aspirin and paracetamol there's risks with you know but the benefit outweighs the risk you see and, and that's what the FDA and the EMA look at you know a, a very painful reaction is unusual though you're unlucky you know because severe pain is a very unusual reaction to this There was again they've seen that in the trial but again the numbers will be will be very small and it's a bit of bad luck that people or you know get bad reactions and this happens to any medicine and not, not just vaccines.
1: is it a sign that the vaccine was working that her immune system was responding is, to yeah, the vaccine yeah,
2: if you see any like, pain is a feature of the immune system by the way certain immune molecules make you feel pain and interestingly let, let's say you get bitten by a, a worm. nasty worm or a snake right why is it sore it's sore you protect your arm that's why you go like that you know that pain is actually part of the immune response to protect yourself you see so sadly your immune system probably released what i call neuropeptides that can cause pain and 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 many didn't get that but some people do so is the way to think of it.
0: okay um does anybody else have a question will the new nasal vaccine from astrazeneca be given for free
2: Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I did yeah. it learned the lesson. Well, it's a tricky. This is a more important, broader question about gouging, isn't it, and making money off things and all the rest of it, you know? Um, asterisk uh, the story behind that vaccine was when they, they, they make it in this lab in Oxford, you know, and then Adrian Hill, who's the head of the Institute, it's called the Jenner Institute. Now, why is it called the Jenner Institute, Stephanie?
1: Because of the Kardashians.
2: No. LAUGHTER <laughs> Could be, I don't know. Yeah, Edward Jenner, as you know, oh yeah, of the vaccine, uh, the smallpox vaccine. Uh, he goes to the head of the university, Adrian. He says, "Look," he says, "we've got a fantastic vaccine here." She said, "We will only develop this if it's at cost and we're not making a profit." So the company you get to collaborate have to agree this has to be free, certainly during the emergency phase of the pandemic. They went around seven drug companies. Okay, the only one that said they do it for free was AstraZeneca, right? Now, our hearts all sank. He he was telling me this because they don't make vaccines. It's a bit like going to a company that, doesn't make trainers and, and makes tennis rackets, and they agree to make the tennis racket, whatever. So, but they took it on and they, they made it for free, you know. And he, he he said to the board, he had to make an address to the board of us, and he goes, "You're gonna not make a profit from this for at least a year or two, right? Because you have got to agree to this now, and and you're gonna make a loss actually because I make the stuff and deliver it." And they agreed, you know. Now the term was during the emergency. Or whatever you know uh, once that passes then you might recoup some of your investment i reckon it's probably cost astrazeneca a billion so far because of all the trials they're very expensive you know and they made no money out of it so far so so would we begrudge them now you might because drug companies make loads of money uh but if they decide to make an intranasal one and they charge for that you, you mightn't begrudge them necessarily because drug companies are businesses sad and all as it seems so we'll I think see It's what happens
1: amazing there. that They've made nine billionaires out of five, you know, oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. But we haven't had to pay anything yeah. for any of it, which I think is. Well, because
2: of the emergency, you see, governments paid for all this anyway. you know.
1: And I suppose we pay gov- for that. Ultimately, we pay Ultimate for that. Thing. And the other thing
2: was, remember, um, Operation Warp Speed, it was called. Yeah, which <laughs> uh, is What so made ridiculous. it even more egregious, in a way, was that Pfizer and Moderna were given loads of money by the U.S. government to develop the vaccines. Now, why did that happen? Because those companies may not have taken a risk on it because it's a risky business. If if you're going to spend money on trials, it might not work to encourage them. That was to nudge them. You know, we need vaccines. And it worked. I mean, Pfizer put a huge amount of effort into this, you see. So there's a very strange, that that health economic business, because, of course, the damage to the economy of this has been vast, remember. So the vaccines will have an economic benefit ultimately, won't they, we hope, you know.
1: Well, we hope. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Um, unless no, I'm just going to leave it there. Um, <laughs> because you can text Pat Kenny and uh, <laughs> Luke, he'll have Luke on all the time, and he'll answer his questions. Thank you very much. I will now leave you to suck the life out of Luke O'Neill <laughs> while I hide in the dressing room. Thank you so much.